All right, welcome back to another episode of Lady Blair Sings the Blues. This is your girl Kylie Too Smart and sometimes V. We have a special guest with us today. Prowess the Testament. Say <laughs> that <laughs> with a mouthful of chicken. Prowess the Testament is here. She's awesome. She's beautiful. She's going to converse with us on some current events, some historical events. And she's no stranger to the show. She's actually done an interview with sometimes be here yes, um, yeah and so she's basically returning to returning to the podcast as a, one of our guests as just kind of the main show so again welcome 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 thank you thank you i'm so happy to be here yeah you want to tell us uh how's your week oh so the week is going good i feel like it's um it's this is an interesting week because every week I feel like right we we don't really have a book ended kind of a thing where we just kind of miss Monday through Friday and then it's the weekend but I it's like kind of weekend so you know I, I take it like as long as I'm healthy and you know I'm able to get through the week without any major issues I'm that's a good week right <laughs> plus the fact that it's snowing where you are just it keeps snowing I'm so yeah. gagged like you're living with the snow that should be your only goal is just surviving the snow and staying warm like that exactly doing that is like that's a plus that's exactly. a whole job in of itself i had to stay alive in the snow that's it that's my week <laughs> goals <laughs> yo the snow is no joke either like i remember um i mean i'm fully like california girl right so the first time i've ever been in like snow snow was when i went to go visit minneapolis and oh my god i was not prepared for the I was not prepared for my like you know, my sinuses getting all oh, messed no. up. I didn't realize I had them oh, yeah. up. Your clothes um, were inadequate. Did the wind just disrespect the <laughs> shit out of all your jackets? You weren't ready. No Californian is ready. <laughs> and I'm over here like okay, and then like on the news, it's like we're getting close to our winter vortex. I'm like, what the fuck is a vortex? <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, over here, we're just like, oh, it's raining. It's raining a lot, and it's cold, mm-hmm. <laughs> and people don't know how to drive, and that's pretty much it yeah so you oh my gosh people driving here like people think because we are four season you know dc is, is a four season place but it is the infrastructure is so it's so small it's you know very few square miles so it just means the infrastructure is not built to support snow removal and so people are not adjusted to driving in the snow so there's accidents here for like people just get like fly into a pole or it's just you know people are just have no idea what they're doing so Any coming and it's anything they're just not used to it it's terrible yeah, yeah yeah that was my whole experience in minneapolis was there was cars flipped over i saw a car try to break and they kept going and i was on like <clears throat> i was walking and i'm like oh my god yeah. that car is like going so slow but it's not stopping <laughs> yeah exactly and just ride into a pole on the ice <laughs> no 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 i actually have uh big news so i got my first shot for the covid vaccine this week oh oh yes i was yeah uh, i did it was moderna and um i was the only person so i just turned 30 this year and i was the only person in my age group in that whole hospital everybody else was um elderly and even my doctor was like oh my gosh it's good to see a young person coming in and I was just like, wow, I didn't realize. I bet they want to, yeah, they want to study you, keep you on the list for a little while. (laughs) Right, they're like, you're black and you're young. Like, what are you doing here? I was like, well, I work. the prototype for this. Uh, I work in a mental health clinic and I was like, I see people all the time. You know, I'm getting my certification for massage. And I was like, I'm going to be working with people. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. And California, um, so they just got rid of the two weeks that they were going to give people for time off if you were suspected of having COVID. So now that that like paid two weeks is gone, it's just like you kind of have to up your precaution game a little bit even more. So it's like it was just worth it in yeah. the long run for me to yeah. go ahead and just get the get the vaccine. I'm glad you did. Yeah, keep us posted on that. I'm yeah, I had no reactions. Um, it was just like you know when you get a regular shot and your arm feels sore for like a day, that's pretty much it. And um, yeah. I'll keep people apprised, let them know as far as symptoms. But I haven't felt you know, tired or achy or even like flu-like. Oh, well, that's great. Well, and to kind of expand on that, Kylie is also kind of like the first, per like one of the first like people in a younger age group to get the shot because right now there's counties that are limiting the shots for different age groups or different groups of like work people. And so for Santa Clara, if you're 75 and older, you're guaranteed to get the shot first over right, okay. else and so do you have anything like that going on in your county right now or we there so they are doing uh vaccination rollout has been kind of slow in this area it's mostly limited to um first responders and then of course like you said ages um there, there's a certain age I, I believe it's 75 and up um and so or if you have if you are over 65 and you have major um, immunocompromised things. So maybe diabetes or high blood pressure or something like that to, that puts you in the high risk category. Um, but you also, it's like you have to fit these three or four criteria. So if you're a first responder, you, you are, um, you know, high risk category or age, and then all of those three things combined. But um, they, the next phase is supposed to be vaccinating um, educators, uh, people that are, you know, that, that kind of things are sort of the second tier of uh, audience. And so hopefully that will, that will open up opportunities for myself. And like my son is immunocompromised. He has type one diabetes. So for him, you know, getting a, a it would be nice to, to get him vaccinated. Yeah. Just the security, yeah. because, you know, a lot of people don't really understand um, vaccines. And so they're scared about it. And it's just like, I, I get you, I'm a black plus size woman in America and my experience with our healthcare system has not been good. Right. Um, but, you know, you can um, go online, you can do some of the research and it basically boils down to, you're gonna catch this by yourself and your body will have to learn how to respond on its own. You know? Right. And you, if you're willing to wait and, and take that risk and you feel like you're a healthy individual and it's worth it for you just to wait and, and get your natural immunity yeah. Um, or I was like, you could go the route that I did and just go ahead and get the vaccine because it's, it's worth it for me in the long run, just to have my body already be prepared and exactly. not have to worry, especially since I am in such a high exposure job. I think, you know, people are going to weigh their own pros and cons, do your own mm -hmm. research, you know, nobody's going to force you to do it. So it's really just what your own personal stance is and yeah. how you feel like for the people Ooh, around I you. I cannot... Oh my God. No, I'm sorry. I know you said you're like your own personal stance, but if I'm like standing right next to an anti-vaxxer mom who's straight up like, my children will learn their immunity through the dirt and the sky. I'm like, okay, I will walk away from you. I don't know what strand of COVID you have. Yeah. I think it's X-Men season and it's X-Men season with maybe physical uh, deformities. So I'm just going to go. Right. <laughs> it's almost kind of, yeah. It's like, I don't really know what to say in those circumstances because it's almost like, if if you properly do your research on like, I would expect you 
do your research on everything, you know, yeah. before you eat a particular thing or before you try a new soap or whatever it is, new shampoo, like research. I just think it's funny like, like a lot of these people who are anti-vaccination and it's like they start quoting experiences that they never had to struggle with in the first place. I was like, exactly. excuse you, ma'am. Like you're not the person who was targeted in these experiments. Like exactly. Oh, exactly. Say that again, Kyle. <laughs> Nobody's coming for you, Martha. <laughs> Martha. Martha. <laughs> mm -hmm. Homeschool Martha. That's me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um my week hasn't been very exciting um to kind of get some closure with the, the how's your week segment yeah. of this of this podcast um I've just been kind of tacking away at Breath of the Wild after like a really crazy week in the nerd core, <laughs> in the nerd core world. um and so like I've just been like trying to like you know like collect as many crickets and as many like little rocks as I can just to kind of keep sustain my inner peace because yeah. this is actually kind of a segue into some kind of like and some kind of current politics that's been going on and there's just been like one thing after another so um we all know about in the nerdcore world about the whole like none like joshua debacle that happened um mm -hmm. and it's affected many different silos within the nerdcore communities um yeah. Whereas he thought like what was a harmless joke was actually more of an overarching overtone within um, mm. in, within minority communities who already have to work so hard to get to a certain level that he wasn't being sensitive about. And so right. like to give everybody to kind of like quickly, like too long didn't read, he made a joke about applying for a black program. He didn't get into the black program. He posted a tweet saying like, hey, like I didn't get into this, better luck next time. Mm -hmm. And then everybody in the everybody in the feed was like, what is this? And then- Right, you're not a black creator, sir. What are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> you're not a black creator. Yeah. You're not even like a, a touch of black, I believe. And so- No. It was just, it was just a huge like disappointment to have that. And like, you know, a diss track came out of it and all that. But what was most disappointing was the- um, which was all of the apologists, uh, people exactly. who, yeah, who were just kind of siding with him. And so, and then they're like, but he's our friend. I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if he's your friend, you should be accountable to tell your friend, Hey, dude, that's not fucking cool. You right. Know? I think it's worse if it's your friend, because then it's like, you're supposed to support me as a black creator. You already know some of the adversities that, you know, I'm facing. Why would you add on to it? Exactly. Yeah. That's how I felt yes yeah and like the perhaps like what else did you like thought about that whole like situation yeah the the thing is is that i always feel like sort of apologism and this kind of need to over apologize for something that you um you did not necessarily you weren't even the you know the, the the person who was doing the the joke or the person who was being sort of willfully ignorant i always think is a lot more dangerous kind of than anything because one it kind of insists that I can sort of hug this mistake away right it kind of you know oh we can this this whatever may have been a blatant kind of a 
um, problem or problematic behavior is that I can hug it away. I can sorry it away. I can apologize it away. And that's just not it. And, and really these things have require, you know, conversation and dialogue. And sometimes by this happening, I always kind of get like into a stance of saying, now it's the time to confront this and have a conversation Mm -hmm. about sort of race, racial literacy, you know, sort of helping people understand why, why these types of things are inappropriate, why they're dangerous, why they're, why they are, you know, you're just a sort of plausible deniability does not take you away from being, you know, racist. Um, And that there are certainly ways that that these things have been carried on, especially in the community that we're in, right? Because being nerd culture has sort of been co-opted to exist in a, in a very sort of white supremacist kind of a, a framework around it. Right. And, you know, one, not even allowing women and then, you know, having there be multiple NB, NB personalities and, and women and people of color, all of, all of these different experiences that have now kind of embedded or embedded in nerdcore that just is not really was not prepared for all of those different identities. So there's going to be a lot of clashes over the wrong language, over the wrong thing to say. Um, what none like Joshua did, I feel like was absolutely wrong, but it's no, it, it's, it was a snowball. Apparently um, he'd been making a lot of comment on his Twitter and social media that were inappropriate the whole entire time. Just a couple of months ago, I'd seen him put something up about rapping like a black man. Like that was a challenge he was trying to do. You know, I brought it to people's attention, but I was like, hmm, maybe I'm taking it out of context. And then I always feel we're like- the ones to question our instincts, right? We're always the one to question our instincts about yeah, questionable exactly. behavior. Like, yeah. am I overreacting? Am I being too sensitive? Exactly. Absolutely yes. not. He deserves all the claps all the clap back <laughs> all of it and i feel like you know what if if anything else it it helps to educate others and i feel like what what becomes the issue is in let's not bully or let's not kind of you know hop down and you know really really make this a, a, a bullying or, you know, a targeting thing. And it's like, no, I think people do un- need to understand the behavior is, is you, you, this is one place where it's okay to be dragged. It's okay to be dragged when you are doing wrong and you refuse to admit that you're wrong. What yeah. was going on was this, not that he wasn't, he had apologized immediately taken, you know, accountability. It was the fact that he was denying accountability by saying it was just a joke and it was taken out of context. He didn't understand the overall part of it that the joke is what is that you are making light out of something that this is our plight that plenty of black creators can't get into that program. And you just decided that you were going to have the entitlement take upon yourself and apply and then post it up and engage. And because you're, you know, other people who were people of color who are, who are black who were black, who were saying, do it. You know, I think it's a great idea. So he felt like I was, I was almost at the point where others said it was okay. People from that community said it was okay. So I had the, the go, the green light to do it. And it was just the fact that he was just not taking responsibility at all. And then instead of sort of having an open conversation, it's the back door, you know, let's talk on the phone. Let's get a zoom call. I'm willing to, you know, make myself available for, for conversation offline it's like no that you did this online 
You did like, this in a very public you space. This publicly, you right? This publicly, aka now everything's going to be public based off of the content that you posted. Exactly. Just like YouTube videos, just like everything else you do, you're not going to try to backdoor this and like apologize to people over the phone and gaslight them into believing. But you actually could have told me earlier. Well, there was a sense of telling you earlier, and then also the funny thing about the the whole black creator and encouraging him to to uh, you know. Like, hey, you should apply for it to see what happens. I'm like, where were they? Where were they? It's like, who are they? Right? Like, there, no one came up and said, hey, my bad. I was the one who told him to apply. They for abandoned. Him. They left. They completely abandoned him yeah. um, in that conversation. And Come then on. it's like, there's that. And then the amount of, like, he says it's a joke, but the amount of people in his thread saying, but you're so talented and you deserve this. It's like, did you, where, where are you lost? Where did you yeah. lose your audience on exactly having them that so blurred, having them so misled about you're not black, dude, you shouldn't be applying for these programs. I think this right. is a larger issue that I see just like in the hip hop community period, yeah. which is just like, you people will automatically equate hip-hop with blackness and so they just assume that if you're in the hip-hop community that you are now automatically you know accessing things that are meant for black people you're accessing right. you're accessing blackness and it's like no you don't get a black card just because you like jay's people like i don't understand where you thought that was gonna work mm -hmm. but you know like no that's unacceptable yeah no that's the part that and that happens so much and then you get into the aspect where I feel like what makes nerdcore a little bit sometimes on the fritz of that is that sometimes it does not acknowledge the history that it is a black it comes from a black culture that th this is something that uh, a subculture based on black culture <laughs> so to almost separate and, and where where it's appropriate we can also say sort of underlined by a lot of Asian culture and so there's a lot of there's a lot of issues I think in that when you have people who are sort of tourists in that experience mm -hmm. who don't acknowledge the history of that experience who just think that like they created this new thing it's like no you know, <laughs> no no boo boo no no didn't create hip hop but I mean I agree here's some hip hop <laughs> Nami here's a little bit of game boards like or uh, board games you know right exactly let's, let's throw it all in a pot like I mean nerdcore is not an it's not one of those things where it is unique but it's not something that was conceived like out of the air like there was different elements of art forms that came together to make it right work today exactly. um, but like the intersection but the biggest thing is hip-hop because without yeah. hip-hop you don't really have nerdcore yes um, and I found that people I, at least in my experience that not everybody is sort of acknowledges that that is the the pathway and so if you don't acknowledge that, then you don't acknowledge that it is a, you know, largely black culture, you know, culture that you're tapping into. And it's a culture. It's not a genre. It's not a, you know, some kind of musical thing. It's not an experiment or experience. It's a culture. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, like that, that's, that's definitely what it is. And thank you so much. I know like, like both you and I have had our challenges with that whole thing and, you're on mute, honey. 
Oh, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I was going to say like, we both had our challenges within that community with some friends who are allies with the whole fight. And we're like, you know, like we were exhausted just kind of stating our point. we personally do not have like close relationships with none like Joshua, but we have to criticize him just as an yeah. icon, as we criticize other icons who do like other things like that. For example, like right after the fact, Ninja said something very, very sensitive about moderating his audience audience and preventing them from saying outlandish things in the chat but he'll let them say the outlandish things in the chat because like he doesn't want to lose viewers um and to back up his case he's like no but I've done so many charities for so many different like black groups and all that stuff I'm like dude it doesn't matter and he's like and then like after that fact he's like oh well, I'm not responsible for teaching your children anything and I'm like sure but also at the same time like you can help better moderate your audience Exactly. So that way you're still creating a safe space for your content. Yes. So and we have to be, we have to be as a community able to have difficult conversations because this community has been, I feel like because of a lot of the times people feel like this has been such a space for outcasts, it's been a safe space for people who may not have had a, a, a place to sort of call their own find people of, you know, a likes and like-minded audiences and, and that kind of thing. And so it's, it's interesting to me that the folks who become, who were sort of social outcasts become the people who say, we don't want to have conversations where we now have to confront, you know, anything that, that is bothersome or anything that is, you know, not complete joy and euphoria. It's like, this is not a utopian society. We, we can, we have issues and it's okay to bring them and put them on the carpet. But if you, the more that you're going to just brush them under, you're just sitting on a powder keg because eventually it's going to explode. And then the use of language, I always feel like that's a, a weird thing. And I've been having this conversation with another, you know, with other people in this space around like, using the words aggressive, using the word civil, mm -hmm. like as it pertains to having a civil, let's keep the conversation civil. Let's not, let's not talk about that. Let's, let's make a new <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like, what? In a space that is intended for women, queer and NB people. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> too attitudinal in here. Is, 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 right? <laughs> nothing in our lives as being in that, in that group we're all sort of a marginalized, right, members of that, of that right. group at this we're, point. It, sounds yeah. so it was yeah. the most marginalized group. And then there's still like little, little, like little pockets of issues that are still going to come up because yeah. someone is uncomfortable and they're like, they're uncomfortable because the conversations are toxic. I'm like, no, honey, this is real life. Exactly. Real life. And if you want to make the whole world better with all your fucking rainbows and sunshine, you need to be a better ally and you need to be more empathetic. Exactly. And those who are in almost the same group as you it may not be the same platform group, but it, it's basically the same group. You're a marginalized woman. You're a marginalized, you know, uh, you know, queer bi person or whatever the case that may be. But if we're right, in exactly. cases, and we're all facing all these challenges that like the cis world has set a foundation for like you need to be a better ally you have better allies that's that's really ultimately honestly i think where i think we all were feeling like just kind of left out like well wait a second here now now this is an opportunity for you to use the voice that this was created for like this was created to incubate these kinds of conversations and then it's like well not really we just created this to kind of be cute and like 
think about how to like critique makeup. It's like, well, okay. All right. But you should have told me that before. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to talk about anything that's substantial, okay? Can we just keep the surface? <laughs> Speaking of things that are not substantial, the stock market this week. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have you been following along what's happening here? Yes. Oh my gosh. You know what? I think, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I feel like if anything else, this is going to be a tell for years and years on, you know, how to, capitalism was a, a failing model, I feel like anyway. Yeah. But yeah. this is no more than to say a failing model when it's put in the hands, when the power is put in the hands of people who have been constantly like we marginalized <laughs> now they start to change the game it's like now the rules of the board have changed and now you want to get mad now the sec is in a ruffle and everybody's trying to call audibles and it's sort of like you know what this is like it was bound to happen i'm surprised it didn't happen sooner right so for those people who've been living like under a rock <laughs> the whole story with uh, gamestop is basically you know gamestop stock has been um, declining over the past few years. It's a brick and mortar. You know, you have the pandemic that's hitting. Everybody's streaming their games now. Everybody's streaming the games. And so, yeah. you know, for a while, it, it left them in a very vulnerable position. And um, Wall Street Bets is a group on Reddit who saw that they are, were in a vulnerable position and saw that some hedge funds were about to take advantage of that and were buying up a bunch of short stock. And when you buy short stock, you're basically gambling with a stock and you're you're betting that it's going to fail so you can you know buy socket or borrow from the broker at a certain price wait for it to fall you know mm -hmm. you sell it while it's high you wait for it to fall you buy it back and you give that stock back to the broker right. well wall street bets is um a reddit group just full of like anybody dudes, yeah. dudes <laughs> who just sort of like treat it kind of like treat the stock market like gaming so you know they're getting together and they're you're trading memes and, and you know jokes and insults and they, they see it and they think that they're like you know trading inside information about like hot takes on the next thing so. which is like not even really like it's anybody, just a forum. anybody who yeah. does any kind of trading with the stock like wall street that's all it is you know it's all it is on a corporate and large scale so these group got together and was just like, well, not our game. So like, that's our meme stock. We love it. We're going to support it. We're going to make sure that it doesn't get screwed. And so they just encouraged a bunch of people to go out and buy. And when you have apps like Robinhood now, it yep. makes it more accessible for the average consumer to buy stocks and to get involved in trading. And they just had an overwhelming <laughs> surge of support of people who decided to put their money in the stocks. And so exactly. what happens now is like, you're still uh, responsible to return the stocks that you have borrowed to the broker. So mm -hmm. if the stock's price goes up, now you have to buy back those shares at that yep. increased price. And lottie dottie, that's exactly what happened. An entire hedge fund lost all of their stuff. All of their all stuff. Of, yeah. All of their stuff. Other hedge funds came in and was like, oh, honey, we see you need a $6 billion bailout. We'll help you with that. And then uh, Wall Street was just like, no, 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 no. We're going to continue um, buying these stocks and now take out another hedge fund. It's just like old rich people were upset that their kids with multiple yachts now are losing out on their hedge fund money or losing out exactly. on their stocks. And we're just like, you know what? Now that the regulation is in the hands of 
the poor people, the, the common people, the, the masses, if you will, and we're making decisions with our money, which is how capitalism works. It's a how fruit it works. market. I mean <laughs> um, you don't get to turn around and then just say, oh, well, this is wrong. And you don't get to determine what happens with this hedge fund and this company's money. It's just like, since when? Because uh, do you not remember 2008 when Wall Street basically gambled an entire economy away? And, and had to be bailed out by the bailed out. Like, <laughs> that we got nothing for absolutely bitch like oh no 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 so uh i'm happy i'm happy that GameStop has is going up and it's become a meme so now it's a meme stock mm -hmm. which i guess if you like baby's first meme yeah meme stock <laughs> it's meme stock <laughs> uh, like i've seen people tweeting like game stonk S-T-O-N-K. Yes. My, my favorite thing out of this has been, I, I come from a nonprofit background. So um, much of my career I've spent in nonprofit organizations. And so when I think of, most people think of Robin Hood, the nonprofit organization, which is based in New York. Um, and it, it, it like, it works to contribute funds for, for children who are fighting poverty in the city of New York. And so I love that they've gotten in on the action because they're like, don't at me, bro. Like I'm not the raw, I'm not Robin Hood. Okay. Yeah. But if I'm you want to donate, feel free. All of this money that you're new millionaires will take all of your money. Yes. <laughs> so and then um now, you know, apps like Robin Hood had stopped selling these stocks because there was the whole controversy of, oh, well, now you're yeah, upsetting. They shut down. They you're upsetting the old rich people. Yeah. Yeah, there yeah. was like a few, there was a few stocks that were just stopped. Like yeah. they were like, you don't get to trade. And then I know that day when things got really, really crazy, that Robin had just broke. It felt like the app was broken. <laughs> yeah, Robin Hood could not function anymore. Um, but it was just so weird. It's like, why aren't we allowed to trade on this anymore? Why is there like, and then everyone got received notifications like how to be a smart investor. I'm like, what do you mean how to be a smart investor? Right, this was smart investing. Yeah. Your stocks have risen. This is exactly what happens when a community comes together. Like, oh, exactly. The back like yeah. Zuzu, what are you talking about? This is exactly what we're supposed to do. Right. Yeah. This is what we learn about in school. Predators <laughs> have been practicing practicing this for years through twitch by doing raids so <laughs> right i'm like oh the gaming community is strong exactly it was just it's a brilliant i mean i feel like if anything this will be a a new lesson for i mean rich hedge fund <laughs> i really think companies. it's it's technically the old lesson. Like you, you can't outrun this. Um, well, yeah, yeah, it's, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. It's based on um, bubbles popping. The, yeah. That's your whole economic model. And what do you, it's never been stable. It's never been something that is secure for you. And it was never meant to be. This is how wealth is right. supposed to be redistributed. You know, people come together and decide what they want to invest their money in. And for a long time, you guys were just ahead of the game because you had the money to invest and you had the money to put in to make more money. And so it's also a generational um, knowledge, right? Yes. So mm -hmm. like not a lot of people, like I would say 30 years ago would even touch Robinhood. Or, or know what stocks are or, or stock what, trading. Or, or yeah. how to even trade stocks or at all. Like, And that was kind of like a generational wealth thing where you learn from like your grandparents who your grandparents will bring it down to you and your, yeah. and your parents will bring it down to you. And also it's such a, I'm going to say this in quotation marks, quote, uh, traditional thing. Um, mm -hmm. And I say traditional family, like what the typical American family is. Um, 
that I'm sure that only the man of the house would actually know how to do these things as a, as a, that's true. As yeah. a, not what sort I'm looking, looking for, just as a stereotype, I'm saying. So, um, yeah, like for a long time, like no one knew how to do this, but now like the power of the internet, right? The power of the internet is allowing us to get the information on how to do this, how to tap into those funds, how to understand investing better. How to understand, yeah, that's what, yeah. I feel like that's the worst thing, right? It's almost like saying, I hid this information in a space that made it inaccessible for everyone. And then when it becomes accessible, I want to now try to govern how you do things to say, bad you, you actually weren't supposed to do that. You didn't have, this isn't how, you know, you actually, like like you said, Kylie, like the, this isn't responsible investing. This isn't actually, it's like, oh. Oh, you guys weren't supposed to have access to this power. You were not supposed to determine, you know, uh, which <laughs> big companies get to go bottoms up, belly up. Exactly. Now we have that power. <laughs> Give me a monocle. Give me a monocle. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, moving along, guys. Um, so I want to uh, celebrate a very special woman who has recently passed away at the yes. wonderful age of 96. Um, Cicely Tyson, longtime yes. actress, artist, um, actually had a, um, a memoir, uh, was uh, basically published like a two weeks before she even passed away. But um, I didn't realize like she was kind of like the actress I was in movies that my mom would watch and I didn't realize I was her until like I saw her um cameo in an episode of how to get away with murder um that stars uh, Viola Davis so I was just like wait I know that lady and I looked her up and I'm like oh great fried tomatoes really so like, <laughs> right um so I was just like you know I just want to like say like dude what a wonderful legacy that she's kind of put down for herself especially being born in the 20s um and so like I thought like you know I think it'd be great to just acknowledge her very very um successful career on this podcast yeah um did you guys have any thoughts I mean I just remember her like she's always like the quintessential black mom Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and in all of her roles and I just when you think of um women who move through that industry and how she did it with like such poise and grace and I don't think I've seen like anything negative ever pop up about her right you know I don't yeah I've one never of those icons is just graceful yeah I agree I think um, one of the, the greatest things I feel like about her was being able like just to showcase the sort of poise and resiliency of black women on, on screen and then the characters that she embodied. I always thought it was very interesting, right, that she, um, I haven't read the full memoirs yet, but I of course read Miles Davis's memoirs and there's a, a significant portion of that on on her being that they were married and their their marriage was so sort of in the public eye and public spotlight. And he also acknowledges that he was just a terrible husband, mostly because of drug use and- Oh, um, that guy was just questionable <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> I mean, those musicians back in the day. musicians. And you got to think like too, like they got married in 81, like it's the height of the eighties. You know, it's the eighties, it's just, there's everything wrong like they met each other like in diane carroll's apartment like the whole thing is just like hollywood drama to me it just screams that um 
But I think one of the things that I loved is that it seemed to be that although, you know, sort of he caused her all of this pain, um, that he was really sorry to, you know, that he actually did care about her and love her a lot. And that, you know, his cocaine addiction is a terrible, you know, Charlie Murphy. Okay, it's a hell of a drug. <laughs> it's a hell of a drug for Rick, Rick James. But yes, it is a hell of a drug. And there's just some people that are not able to get through it. But I love the fact that her career and her body of work, there isn't like, there's a film for, from her on everything. So it doesn't matter, you know, so many women who've had like only subservient roles in the entertainment industry. You have, you know, I, I feel like Cicely Tyson had so many like those major roles that are expansive. They're not just limited to being a kitchen worker or being a maid or being a wife, you know, or being a girlfriend or a mother. It's like all these other really, you know, fantabulous roles. Um, so, I mean, she got to play like Rebecca Morgan and Sounder. Like she's been- yeah acting for her entire life and I mean accumulated a massive Oscar and Golden Globe nominations but not a lot of wins so if anything right I, I hope that this year I know this you know we're, we're dealing with the with pandemic sort of you know issues around um, award season but I really do hope that there is some deepened engagement around how she is honored and celebrated this year at yeah. all of the different you know not only on Broadway, but also in all the award shows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like she, again, she she like kept acting up until you know her time of death, and so and then, yeah. um, and also just to be, just to to go through the obstacles that I'm sure that she had to endure just being an actress out there in the world is like so impactful. So yeah, I agree. I hope that there is some sort of um, you know, rightful right um not not a memorial service but um some sort of um celebration tribute tribute, tribute. Yeah. thank you tribute that's the word i was looking for i'm like what starts with a t right <laughs> um we need yeah, that. Like, that we need that mm -hmm. absolutely but yeah again uh rest in peace uh Mrs. cicely tyson thank you so much for your whole ass career right thank you for yeah. all your 80 plus year yeah, 60 right. plus years. Yeah. Damn, your dates is the 20s. Wow. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to the 20s. Yeah. I mean, geez, it's amazing to me of like, yeah. And thank you for just being, you know, showcasing the very many faces of like Black women in such a regal way. Because yeah. when people assume, you know, they think of her, they think of like this air of, you know, just glamour and class. just black women are you know smart and strong and these magical beings maybe that will be something that you know the will will get the people in this 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 era to to start to celebrate and remember right exactly all right moving along to our sexual wellness segment which is called nerdy and dirty um Ooh. so this is a <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to your record earlier, getting in the mood, you know. Yes. So we brush on uh, basically just uh, sexual topics um, that kind of challenge uh, society. So Kylie has one about yes, sapiosexuals. So okay. this is this is people who yes. are attracted to intellect. Yes. Um, people who are attracted to knowledge mm -hmm. you may just be attracted to somebody on um, how eloquently they speak 
Um, you may, you know, like, I don't know about you, but if somebody like can actually tell me what they're thinking and communicate in a clear response. Oh yes. 30 is a whole year. It's a whole new year for me, baby. I only want men who can articulate, who can tell me exactly what they're going to. Yes. All of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. I want it. I want it. I want it. Not just men, women, do anyone. Need, do we need sensual music? <laughs> yes. <laughs> do you hear her? <laughs> I told you. She already knows she she had a whole album. Whole album. Just. I do. <laughs> she already knows it. It was a dick and cereal. She was slurping it all. I was like, it was good. It was so good. Yes. Yeah. I need I sapios, I, I believe in that. I think that there is definitely an attraction. And, and to you know, just having someone be able to, to, it's almost like tapping into your intellectual love language a little bit to be like, you know what, you are able to articulate the way that I need you to, what I need to hear. And I always think about one of the funniest things. I read an article a long time ago that kind of, well, it was it, on one side kind of talked about um, the, I guess, relationship between Whitley Gilbert from live uh, from a, a different world and yeah. Dwayne Wayne oh my god <laughs> I love that show I just recently re-watched it because I was too you know uh, you guys are even younger than me so I'm 35 but you, I was young at that time to really fully understand the show but then now kind of seeing it in context and seeing how you know it was the fact that right Whitney Whitley was sort of this you know really colorful character but the idea of like they were saying bad and bougie was even kind of mm-hmm. focused on like this grand dame kind of a experience you know louis vuitton luggage toting really sadiddy southern bell kind of a thing right my it's grandfather like, opened this hall <laughs> exactly she was the bell she was you know had this legacy at for like five or six generations or something at you know this university so she really reflected i think all of that but then she chose right like the the idea of like black affluence on tv but mm-hmm. then choosing the more sort of you know pensive thoughtful the nerd you know the way the nerd you guys yeah and and what he was able to how he was able to evolve that character right? Like Dwayne Wayne kind of embodied that character. Uh, Kadeem Hardison, the character who, you know, I always think about like the fact that what he was able to do with this character and like how he was able to make this character almost be like the nerd. One of the most beloved kind of tropes, you know, is, is, um, is very different than like the Steve Urkel nerd. Um, but it he is, makes glasses know, look so hot. <laughs> yes, those glasses were the and he had this saddlebag. I I go back to now, like he had that saddlebag where he tossed over his shoulder and everybody was like, You just know he's got some books in there, like he's got some memoirs in that book, mm. in that bag. Is reading on the lunch break. Okay. I love that. And so yeah, that there's a whole thing around that. Um, the whole idea of it and like what he was able to represent for and the fact that like a lot of people don't know is his mom is Bethan Hardison who was you know a fashion model in the in the 60s and the 70s and you know was really explosive Um, so yeah just think about the fact of like you know along with like Beverly Johnson and like these you know 
um, major sort of black models in the 70s and 80s and in Bethann Hardison like gave birth to Kadeem Hardison. You just think about like the whole thing of it is just very, I don't know, like it's a meta thing of intellectualism where you're like just off screen and off screen. So I'm yes, sapiosexuals, you gotta, you gotta embrace, love the mind, love I'm the thought. Yes. So V, have you, have you ever been attracted to somebody just based off of their intellectual comeuppance? Comeuppance? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I'm dating one. Right? <laughs> oh my God, totally. Well, okay. Um, Cash is also a physical hottie patati, but yes, definitely. <laughs> he is smart, gal. He's smart, smart, smart. Sometimes the way that Kylie talks to Cash, I'm like, I, I think you're going to make him sweat. <laughs> Hopefully that's just how I talk to everyone and it's not just the Cash thing. I just thought, okay, so maybe to put my feet in the shoes of this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just always felt that it was just very, um, not like overly attractive, but it's just always like, you know, a plus that someone can talk so passionate about a subject that they're very knowledgeable about, mm -hmm. right? And they have the thorough understanding, they understand the theories, they might understand yeah. the practice, like depending on what it is, right? Like they can, I don't give a shit if they're like, you know, talking to me about how marbles are created, but if they can tell me like how it's manufactured, what type of glass it takes or whatever, like okay. I'm like, that's, that's pretty cool. Cause that means you can, you can talk to me in other ways that are more thorough. So it's kind of like also a foundational thing, right? If we're applying. Into yeah, life. but does it get you hot though? I'm not going to say it gets me immediately <laughs> warm. <laughs> like, um, I mean, I know when Cash talks to me, it's like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, baby, tell me more about Magic the Gathering. Oh, yeah. More. Listen, those are the moments. Yes. When, like, the, if the pillow talk is that, then you know, you know. I always judge, yeah, I judge the man by like what kind of game he plays and what kind of platform he's on because it depends on how loyal he is. Like if you're switching platforms every week, I might not, I, I'm not, I can't. Like you know what, last week you said up. you was, you know, you was not trying to check for the PlayStation. Now this week is something different. Uh-uh. You know, if you play one, one first person shooter sports game your entire life, you might be, you know, might be marriage material because it tells me you are, look, that's what you stand by. Do you yeah. think that is the grounds of people who are safe biosexuals? That it's really just the fact that someone has dedicated their mind and energy to a topic well enough to speak about it at a certain depth. And it's really just the, uh, the fact that you're willing to put that time and energy and focus into one thing. Yes. Women, yes. women, men, that's it. Like we just want the dedication. <laughs> Mm. I think that's what it is too like I think what you're saying uh Paris is that um I think it sinks in for me more about the pillow talk aspect right like if you're hanging out with yeah. someone you're like okay blah 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 yeah, yeah yeah talk to me talk to me talk to me and then like the moment when you guys when when you get intimate and you do the thing and then the after the fact and then someone can talk intellectually about something I think that's where I kind of re-encompass another type of love for that person so yeah. it's not like that I get horny or like, or ah! like warm again. Read me a book, baby. More, it's more like how, how on an intimate level can I respect you better? You know, I know it's just all about respect. I love this respectful interaction we're having. Yes. 
you know what you got to have like shades of gray (laughs) exactly because there was times listen there there there's times like i don't know if you guys have ever been like in a long distance relationship before but if you have been trying to that's such a challenge and you know i have gone through that where it's like that person better have intellectual commentary like they better be fulfilling because there's no physical engagement especially during covid right there's just it's almost impossible to see that person so you better make sure you bring the the conversation be better be at the maximum level. Right. I feel like the yeah. poets are, are flourishing in COVID now. They <laughs> can send each other letters, longhand. Yeah. Oh, oh wait. She, oh, she's talking to her. Okay, oh. yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um, I think it's like one of those things. Um, yeah, like I I can't stand the person if someone t- sends a text to me and they're straight up like, "What are you doing?" But like abbreviated. So. <laughs> Yes, so, that is so annoying. I like, agree. Like, or that, that drives hot. me nuts. I'm oh, like, you're learn hot. How to, learn you how to are. Learn. You are hot. Like, mm-hmm. those are like so. Like, that's what I call fuckboyisms, where it's like you're doing the bare minimum. <laughs> short minimum short minimum it now, yes. And even like, <laughs> and is not, an right, right. And I'm not even oh, just like goodness. labeling this with just like men. Some girl, like some women are guilty of it too. Fuck ladies. Yeah, I don't know what it's like on the. <laughs> queer side of things but i haven't had that experience so Fuck i people. don't know maybe they're just a lot better than it is with, like, <laughs> gotta at least be willing to fake it though like come like go after the conversation and like find something to do like i, I had a friend mm-hmm. who just told me i want for i'm not going to put this whole story on a spot but just to say <laughs> that like this guy did not do the research on like they were going to meet up for a date whatever they met on bumble or something he he didn't do the research on where she lives. She's like, okay, like you didn't Google it before you. And then he was like, oh, I see you live across the bridge. Well, I can't drive across the bridge. Like, enjoy that. You know, like my bad. I don't leave west of like 20 miles of where I live. Like, well, then why the heck did you respond? Like, why did you, sp- like, I-, I don't understand. Like, why are we even getting to this point? We're about to have the date and you didn't research this. That's where I live. Like, yeah then if you're and i was like this dude sounds basic to me because if he's not willing to drive for you know what i mean like i could understand being in traffic like if it's yeah and it's like 20 miles away from where he's saying so it's not like it, we're not talking like 75 miles like i i get that there's a limit right like 20 like miles bridge from us like that that's a, that's quite a drive that's still like an hour you know <laughs> i could get even that if it's an hour long drive total but like we're talking like this person won't drive like an extra you know 20 minutes away from where their limit is and you i'm don't like deserve none. you didn't deserve none to begin with exactly like you do your research on people what? like you're not even that it's that's got to be level one of intellectual of like can you just do some research on me and find the things that make me happy and like have conversation with me about that uh, me hey baby i, I love, love it. it i'd love to be can i be your next thesis paper darling that's a that's a that's it that's it do a thesis on your woman yes do a thesis on your man you gotta be you have to know that you have to be your greatest you should i should be the most in-depth topic you have ever researched yes mm-hmm. i need a whole dissertation at the time you know like <laughs> be prepared and have motherfucking references <laughs> I feel like this is the ultimate nerdy and dirty section that we've had. I will get dirty for you if you nerdy for me. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
Exactly. Snaps. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is, this is amazing, guys. All right, so moving on to nerds. nerds. <laughs> Speaking of nerds who are dirty, yeah. Um, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, Paris, on our main show about some MagWest or MagFest things. Um, there's been a lot of shenanigans that both MagFest. Uh, where yeah. volunteers and staff had openly um, had, have openly stated that they've been being abused, that there's a lot of emotional abuse within the workplace, and that they don't feel like there's a lot of follow through with reports that are done for those who are, you know, creating that environment. And yeah. so, um, uh, there's been a lot of statements, a lot of like people signing NDAs, a lot of drama. Um, and I'm sure, like you know, Paris, you being on the east side you probably heard it all because you're from Washington, D.C. So, Absolutely. And like, you know, MAGFest is definitely close to home for you. Um, but there is a follow-up um, to say from the last time that we talked about this. Mm-hmm. MAGFest has dropped all of their board of directors, have, you know, sworn in three more. Yeah. Also, just this week, the executive director um, who's been receiving most of the heat has stepped down. Yes. Good. I'm so good happy. I'm like, good job, guys. You know, you got that, the- That's how you bring a machine down. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is good because there was a lot of artists who are just like, who are in love with the festival, but are not in love with all the things that have been happening to the staff. The people who are mm-hmm. the front lines dealing with attendees, guests, musical performers, you know, these are those staffers who are front lines with those who they're interacting with. Like the, the performers are like, hey, are you okay? What's going on? Tell me what the what's happening. Like we're closer yeah. to you than we are to this whole executive staff. Like we don't give a shit about them. They should probably go. Right, And so like, I'm just really happy to hear that um, there was some sense that they have stepped down and that they're, they are doing their best to rebuild. I've also noticed since I'm in kind of like a couple of the Slack channels, because I am a volunteer with Mac West, which is mm-hmm. the West Side sister convention, um, that there is a little bit of um, a different attitude or different type of uh, overtone with the chat that people seem a lot happier and feel hopeful which is great. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm glad to see that the executive director got out of there because I also, in addition to what was brought out about the, the cycle of abuse, you know, I'm nosy. I come from a nonprofit background. So I did the research on the nine nineties, right? Because all nonprofit organizations that have a 501c3 certification have to file a nine ninety, and that nine ninety is public record and you can pull it in any time and they were taking grant money for um from a lot of different organizations that work for like therapeutic gaming so they help children who have various um intellectual um intellectual challenges to help them sort of you know gain confidence through gaming um and their whole entire arcade for instance was sponsored by by one of those organizations just stuff like that that i was just not comfortable reading i it really made my skin crawl so in addition to being abusive and actual you know the cycle of abuse that was happening there there's also just the fact that you're just really you know fiscally irresponsible and almost to the point where fraudulent yes i'm like uh uh-uh so there hopefully yeah i i i hope that i'm glad to hear that there is a a 
of connection to like this change and people sort of lightening there being levity to to you know to people's attitudes and just that show that being off of their shoulders and that hopefully that it's going to take some time to rebuild yeah. this thing because financially it just was a mess so yeah. you know and it is sad because I'm like I you know I appreciated the fact of like being in my backyard there's not a ton of you know great events like MAGFest there's you know Katsucon and there's some others that are awesome con but they're not at the they were not as programmed well as MAGFest was where you can really have the gaming and music experience right um parallel so I don't know I'm like let's hope that they will you know they will come back and and that somehow things will be okay but you know I, I just more I'm happy that others like nobody's being abused anymore and hurt. Yeah, exactly. No, and that's how I feel about it too. Is like I I came in for the first year doing everything. I felt like happy as a clam to do everything. And then after Mag West is when everything kind of like hit the floor and say, okay, so let's talk about this. And then everybody rioted within the channels. And I went, oh my yeah. God, everyone's so hurt right now. And I'm like, what is going on? Because me being like I'm still an outsider looking at, you know, <laughs> and so I'm just reading all of the, like the comments and all of the, the things that people had to say and people kind of just leaving the chat because they couldn't take it anymore. It was a lot. And also like the biggest thing that questioned my, my participation with continuing my volunteer work with Mag West was that they let go three or I think they let go more than three people but one of the key people that they let go was someone who worked very closely with me and she was she's wonderful I'm not going to disclose her name on here just to give her some space and respect but like yeah. she was just absolutely wonderful checked in on me was just like very professional like in and just making sure that Mag West were to go smoothly because it was their first virtual event mm -hmm. and like she made everybody feel good which was great and it was great leadership and then for me to hear that she was let go just broke yeah. my heart and I was like do I even want to be a part of this like me like I was also questioning like some racial things too like I'm like I'm the only black girl here like what's going on you know <laughs> looking around <laughs> I'm like, this is a lot of time. It's like, like nobody huh? wants to feel like they're a token in a community that they like bust their ass to be a part of, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and that wasn't the, 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 the core of the problem. Right. But like, I did notice like, like, why isn't there a lot of diversity going on? How come everybody in the board of directors is white? How come there's only one board, one person in the board who's a woman? Why is the executive director white male? Why is everybody white? Like, I just like, I had those questions too, when I started to look and you know, you again, nosy, I'm a nerd. So I went and I've looked up every single staff member on LinkedIn child and greatest part about I mean, I linked in their ass, got all that history. And when I started to do that, right, I started to realize some of these people have had no responsibility of this job in a setting that's even as big as MAGFAST. So like they may have been doing like working at like Micro Center two weeks ago before they got hired at MAGFAST. And so for the last, you know, decade or whatever they've been doing that and it's just like wait a second where was your experience before like mm -hmm. micro center is not nearly you know or they may have been working for a very small organization like there was one one guy who was like in charge of social media like prior to that he was working like for a small consulting firm of like three people it, i was just like where did he get the experience to be able to do you know it, magfest has grown yeah with that has grown a lot of money and resources to do some great things and 
it just meant that they needed to bring in somebody with some better expertise to help manage some of this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that's put part I'm like still hasn't been answered like who the hell hired like these kids to do this stuff like yeah and th and that's the thing like I don't get me wrong like I think it's a great organization to to apply like maybe some very shallow skills and expand on them and mm -hmm. deafen them because when things start to happen with the events and it's like you're in the middle of an event like things go by quick so you got to be like agile and that's yes. and that's yeah. the best opportunity to really solidify what you think you know but yeah like there is some questionables of like hey why like you know who's doing this thing how come they're taking so long to get back to me like aren't they supposed to be like somebody that's in a communication standpoint like why are they lacking on exactly. like like I I've had that before it's like or how come I'm going to make fun of him for us and not to put him on blast but I'm like why is one person in the middle of an org chart and everybody's reporting like a hundred people are reporting to him. Why is a hundred people reporting to one person in, order, in an organization chart? That should not happen. There should be trusted trusted ways to silo people, but still keep them connected by one leader. Like that just didn't make any sense. So I'm, I'm hoping this aims for the best, um, but I really do wish the best for MacFest because I want to come out there at some point. Like that's where- Yes, I know. That's, that's the major part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Conventions definitely give us that space to feel like, we, like what we talked about earlier. Like to I always feel, feel like good. I'm like coming late to the game, so it's just like <laughs> Veronica introduced me to this great thing, and then it just, then it got taken away from me, and I was like, no, I'm like I want. <laughs> so there's Blurred Con in the right? so Blurred Con will continue yes. to grow. I'm excited for Blurred Con to come up. Like, do you know if they're doing a virtual event at all? I don't know. I would imagine I because DC is still it's already, you know, February and they still haven't like they they haven't lifted a lot of the restrictions. I can't believe that they're going to have access to like before they can even get into the space and plan properly, it'll be probably March. So I don't think they'll have an in-person uh, thing. So. No, totally. No, I totally get it. Like, I think I tried to email BlurredCon to see like, hey, do you guys need a volunteer? And I haven't gotten, they haven't gotten back to me. So I'm sure they're trying to figure out them stu their stuff too. Yeah, logistically uh, what they're going to be doing and what they can do. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next thing. Uh, Kylie found a really cool article uh, off of heroicinnerkids.org. Yes, so heroicinnerkids.org, they now have um, a program where you can order um, personalized letters from Daredevil and they'll come with the legal <laughs> letterhead and they're in braille and I just thought it was so cool and like such a way how like like what a smart way to be inclusive and think about you know members of your audience like a it's just cool because you got a, like a legit letter from Daredevil but to actually have it be in braille and have it be functional and, you know, because I'm sure it would have, some companies would have just, you know, put some raised dots on a piece of paper and signed it and not exactly. you know, put the thought into having it actually be legible for individuals who are blind and who can read Braille. So I was just like, what a, what a wonderful way to like include people. Like it just, it was like, a, it's such a, a yummy feeling and it just made me feel so happy. I was, I think this is a great way to outreach to to another populace of people who are yeah. having a hard time as yeah. it is. Um, and also like, you know, comic books and anything with like comics or anything, it's like, it's so visual. 
everything is so visual. Yeah. Cosplay is visual, like video games are so visual, but where's the chance for like, you know, somebody who's blind to not feel excluded from any of the nerd culture. So I think this is a step in the right direction for anybody who probably has watched Definitely. like the Daredevil show. I don't know if there's any other Daredevil things, but this can be applied to any other thing. Like, you know, animated X-Men series, if they're listening and they absolutely love all the action that's going on. Um, yeah. I mean there's so many like blind characters out there like I really want to see this expand mm -hmm. and like I it feel like every so yeah. yeah mainstream character who's blind should have their own little person yeah can you operate. imagine how many different sort of different abilities that they'll be able to sort of bring out and and help people through as I know a lot of there is a lot of material sort of fan comics and graphic novels and stuff just written about people who have been inspired by like mm -hmm. you know this has helped me deal with with being differently abled or accepting that and you know casting more more actors um and more you know pe people who fit that bill so that so this something like this representation matters when we say that all the time mm -hmm. this is it this is it this is why it matters exactly I'm glad to, to know that there is what and what's this website again you said so um, you can actually find them on Facebook as well, Heroic Inner Kids, and then it's heroicinnerkids.org if you want to go to their direct yeah. site. They also like will come out to events. Um, I had seen a few where they were just like, they're based out of Texas, um, but they were doing just like some community pop-ups, which was like really nice, well, especially amazing. in the time of COVID. But yeah. uh, you know, it's like, uh, I saw a few things where it was like, you could invite <laughs> them to your community and like kids would dress up as their favorite superheroes. And it's like, you could wait like from your porch or you like you know see them as they walk by and it's just oh that's awesome you know what I mean just something to uplift your community so I think they're definitely they're a nonprofit as well look at us linking up with all the nonprofits. Yeah, they're a nonprofit yeah. as well um so they're definitely worth um reaching out to you know if you know anybody that would enjoy a letter I know I would have as a kid I would, I would, have I would. and then if you yeah if you have a donation look all that all the newfound riches that you've got from your GameStop and AMC. Yes. take that and invest it into you know heroic inner kids I know True. newly nerdly millionaires I know new nerd millionaires pulling out yeah. mortgages for their parents right <laughs> <laughs> all right we're at our last segment real quick uh we have a segment called big move Monday where we call out the most like impactful person of the week um and Ooh. so uh, we want to, again, I, it feels like a repeat at this point, but it's fine because they've been really working their asses off, but we have a local, another nonprofit, uh, they're called Black Outreach San Jose. Uh, they have a few uh, other like mini committees or, uh, or sister, sister profits uh, where they, they do work with the homeless community um, that they're really, they take in donations and distribute them with the homeless community within San Jose. Um, and so, and then it's not just like food, but it's like, you know, warm blankets, like clothes, like mm -hmm. anything that you, you would think that someone who was homeless would need. I know that they've done like weather drives, meaning that they would take in um, like umbrellas or rain boots or equipment. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, so that way uh, homeless people can thrive out there in the outdoors if like, you know, if, if shelters are at capacity. Um, but Black Outreach, um, 
San Jose has been going at it with being very consistent with their protests. I feel like they're protesting every week and that they're always exposing the things that cops have been doing. Um, a big thing that they recently did is that they heard that there was large eviction sweeps in the Santa Clara County. And like every time they hear of a certain uh, sweep, they will go to that property or go to the Superior Courthouse Ooh, heck, and, yeah. like, and protest their life yeah. out to make sure that like people shouldn't be evicted right now. It's still the pandemic. It's awful. Um, this is not righteous. And like, they really like are sitting there just like, you know, or not sitting there, but they're really just out there just making sure that- Yeah, they're actively not sitting. <laughs> they're actively not sitting. But yeah. yeah, they're just making sure like, it, like they're vouching for the communities that need the most help. So I want to just call them out again because like they've been really, really great and like outspoken. And I just want them to keep doing the work. Uh, yeah they're they're amazing um like i'm lucky to be at a job where i can listen to their live streams mm -hmm. and stay up to date you know and still not have to worry about my manager walking by and being like what are you listening to you know yeah. so um that's been wonderful and it's just anytime they pop up i i read retweets I repost, I share like whatever locations they're popping up at. I'm like, go support them, go pop up because they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. They know the stances that they are fighting for in and out. And they have mm -hmm. all like, they're, they come so well prepared for these people who have all these dumb, you know, questions or dumb barbs to throw at them. And it's like, they always have it's a lot of moral high ground and yeah. they stay um, doing what they put out and to do. So shout out to them. Yeah, shout out to them. Um, but other than yeah. that, uh, Paris, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Did for you have coming back? I hope you had a good time. <laughs> right. Was there anything you wanted to plug? Yes. Um, I, so A Tale of Two Masters is my most recent project. It's available on, uh, it was only on Bandcamp, but it's now uh, the deluxe version of that album has been released to, to all streaming outlets now. So um, except for iTunes, I, I, I chose not to actually, it was a personal thing, but anyway, Spotify oh, YouTube. Next episode. <laughs> But you can get it all the other places and please do dig into it. It's a concept project. So the whole aspect is sort of, it's a cinematic thing. So if, even if you've heard it, you got to hear it again on the, the the cinematic version because it's definitely got sort of a um, different different stuff in it that you didn't hear the first time, different meta. I'm I actually excited it. that there's a deluxe there's version. There's a deluxe there's version. Like, deluxe. Dude, I, I can't even fathom because my brain was so happy. Like, I can't tell you how good your music <laughs> makes me feel. I was like, okay, modern oh, day Negro spiritualist. She's coming through. It is nothing but utter truth and honesty in every single thing. It's been a long time since I've heard a concert project that was good and solid from beginning to end. I should you not. Like, a whole journey. Yay, a whole I'm trip. so glad to hear that. Thank you. So you'll love the deluxe version. It'll make more sense because it's kind of this was inspired by a blues film. And so it'll make sense because it comes in with the blues film and it'll kind of make better sense. Without it, it was kind of that part didn't really, I guess, hit the hit mm -hmm. the nail. So you'll understand it a lot better now. Yeah. 
No, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, go so check good. her out. Go support her through Bandcamp. Listen to her on yeah. Spotify. Go find it. And then, uh, Promise, tell us where pe- folks can find you on social media. Yes, you can find me at, at my name is Prowess. That's P-R-O-W-E, two S's. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm on the Twitters and the Facebooks and, and Instagram. And uh, I'm even on TikTok, although I don't use it. I totally am, um, you know, thinking about posting a, a weird, like, silhouette challenge like me dressed as Michael Myers or something I don't know like something fun like <laughs> do it you like do we need a we need a we need a silhouette challenge like that you know what I mean like you gotta do something fun extreme with it so yeah I'm gonna do oh some challenges I haven't done any yet so I'm like you know what this time I'm gonna do 2021 I'm putting my energy into some challenges so y'all gonna see my stay focused on the socials Yes. No, I can't wait. Oh, I'm already, I'm already there. What are you talking about? Dude, it, those challenges have been so sexy this year. Hot. Yeah. Hot, hot, hot. Yes. Exactly. Maybe my sexualism. <laughs> you don't got to talk, baby. Like, challenge like. I love all the busted challenges with the like book at the end where it's like, oh, y'all thought I was going to, oh no. I read. That's my superpower. Okay. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Oh, thanks everyone for listening to Lady Blurred's Sing the Blues. Uh, You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Pods, and our original home, SoundCloud. Follow us on Instagram at Lady Blurred's Podcast. For questions and suggestions about the show, you can always email us at don'tcastindrive at gmail.com, spelled don't cast N, like a singular N, not and, and drive. Update. I just decided to merge all of the interviews I've done with Don't Cast and Drive with the Lady Blurreds Network. So now that Lady Blurreds is going to be hosting Don't Cast and Drive. So any interviews I have done within the last like few years are now available on Spotify. Yay! Um, But yeah, I just wanted to uh, let everybody know so that there wasn't any some continuity confusion. (laughs) But other than that... um, Thanks everyone for listening. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Later. Bye. Thank you.